Welcome to the Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life. So I'm not, I just want to, I really feel tonight that this is going to sound really crazy, um, but I, I heard it during worship because I was processing through my head what I was supposed to talk about, and I don't want to freak you out when I say this, um, but I really believe that tonight God wants to deliver some of you from some demonic oppression. And um, I, I don't want us to be freaked out by that because it's really a good thing. And, um, you know, without going into a lot of detail, can, you know, people are like, How, are you saying that Christians can be possessed? The word in the Bible for demon possession is called, is in the Greek is uh, demonazio, which means to be under the influence of a demon. So a believer can be under the influence of a demon, which basically means you can be believing a lie. And let me tell you one of the things that one of, there's, there's, there's ways that you know that it, yes, weird feedback they're saying. Can you guys hear me? Is everybody okay? No? <laughs> My wife has a demon, she said. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I could say a lot of jokes right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Wise man. <laughs> and one of the things, you guys, when we talk about this tonight, and it's going to be beautiful how God just releases some of us tonight. Because I, I, I'm going to share my personal story with you, and I, I hope it doesn't freak you out. Um, but it, it's, it's a beautiful story. And one of the things that when we're under oppression, when we're under the believing the lie of the enemy, one of the things I've seen is it's really hard for people to enter into worship that are struggling with demonic oppression because they feel shame, they feel unclean, they feel unworthy. And uh, so it keeps them from the presence of God. And God is angry at the demon that keeps us from him. And him from us, right? So not he's not angry at us. He's mad at the enemy, and he wants the enemy gone. So a few years back in 1996, Shelly and I were in a, in a church in Missouri pastoring. And I'm going to recap a little bit what I talked about last week and then tie it in, because I'm going to give a, a route to you where I believe that this thing could be holding on to you and you not be aware of it. So we were pastoring a church in Missouri, and this man a friend of mine who was a pastor came to me and said, I'm having this guy come and he does deliverance. And he, he could come and speak in your church. And I'm like, I'm always a little leery, like, okay, what's he like? Before I let somebody loose to the congregation, I kind of want to make sure it's up and up, right? So I said, well, let me meet with him. <laughs> little did I know God had set me up, right? So we meet in my office, and the guy walks in, and I kid you not, he was as tall as that door from Chicago. He looked like a gangster, and his, his name was Mike McAvito. And I thought, that dude, any demon is going to be afraid of him just when he walks in the room, right? And so he comes in the office, and he's so gentle, though. And we just start talking, and in, probably in about maybe... 45 minutes of a conversation of him just asking me about my life, he goes, there's, there's some pain in your heart. And he goes, can I just pray for that pain? And so he, he comes over, and, and I'm sitting in a chair, and he lays his hand on my heart, and he starts to pray for the pain. He says, Jesus, come and heal the pain. And he says, as, as he began to pray for the pain, he said, and that spirit of fear that's keeping you from getting healed, I command to come out in Jesus' name. And the weirdest thing happened. I felt in my stomach like I was going to hurl. And so I, I grabbed a garbage can, and I hurled in the garbage can. And it was probably about a three-minute thing. And then as soon as he got done praying with me, and after I hurled, I felt like this peace and this joy and this, I can't even describe to you, and then the weirdest thing was it was colors were brighter. They'd, they'd been like dull. His shirt was super bright. And then all this love, I, like, I, I was like, I want to go with you. I just love you. It's just so intense, this love. And so something, and, and, I, and even though I threw up, 
I don't believe it was inside of me, but it was, it was upon me. There was, there was a spirit of fear that my whole life, and even, even back with my parents generationally, that, that I had been battling. And it's like Mike took authority over that, and it was gone. And so sometimes there are things we're wrestling with, and we don't, we don't recognize all the time that it's, it's demonic. It's the enemy. We might think it's us. We might think it's the person that's causing the frustration. It's like we feel like we can't get breakthrough. And it's just this cycle. And then what the enemy wants to do is he wants to keep us in bondage and keep us from getting free. One of the biggest, one of the biggest things the enemy loves is if he can keep people from worshiping God, he's happy. So last week, I'm gonna, I want to recap because I want to tell you what I think it is and where I think God in just he can, he can set us free. That doesn't mean, let me preface with, you're going to vomit, all right? You're going to hurl. It's not what that means, so don't freak out. Um, but I do believe, and now some people, that could happen. I mean, you, you, could, it could, um, it, you, you could have a, you know, a release. You know, I, I've seen all different kinds, and a lot of it depends on, like, people who've been involved in the occult, people who've been deep into drugs or deep into sexual sin. Sometimes it opens doors where it gives, it's like if you have to give Jesus permission to come live in your heart, there has to be permission granted to the enemy, access, in other words. It's like if you go into his camp, you get his goods, right? All right? So um, let's look. Um, well, let me share a couple things, what I shared um, last, last week. Um, I had a prophetic word uh, given to me by my mentor a few weeks ago. And if you remember, he said that he believed that the church was in dry dock, and I said, well, what does that mean? It's like when a ship is out of the water, it's in dry dock, and it's being examined. It's like it's, it's you know, you're looking for anything that needs to be repaired. And he said what God is doing with the church is he's looking for everything that needs to be repaired, and he's, mo- he's turning the ship from a cruise ship into a battleship. So there's a transformation, which means God is preparing his people for victory, to help people get free. But here's the deal. And, and when you think of a cruise ship... Think of like, you know, a lot of people come to church, where's the buffet? You know, getting my needs met. But the church is supposed to be a powerhouse of people who are out rescuing people who are in captivity, who are on fire for God, who are turning the world around, right? Right in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, just with the love and the power and the presence of God. So there's there's this transition that's taking place in us because we're the church, God's people. But before we can go help people get out of captivity, we got to get free from stuff. So that's what's happening right now. That's why it looks like, why isn't anything going on in the world? Why does it seem like everything in our country is just upside down? Because God's focus right now is on the church. And people are, some people are resisting or they're distracted or they're not hearing what God is doing. So I entitled what I want to talk to you guys about called I See You. Because sometimes it's like, does God see me? And I'm watching the Chosen series, and it's wrecking my heart. And the, there, I think it's season two where Nathaniel's under the tree, and God sees him. And there's those times that some of us, and here's a lie right here that the enemy tells you, that the only time God sees you is when you do something bad. i got to hide or got to ignore. And, and that's kind of sometimes what even the church has taught. But you guys know that God sees us, not as we are, but he sees us as he created us to be. He sees us as his son and his daughter, his kids. And he sees us. So I want to go to that passage again. If you have your Bibles, it's in John chapter 1. And we're going to look at this, 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 this scripture real quick. And it's, it's John chapter 1, and we're going to start at um, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Here's what I said last week, and if you've been 
If you were here last Saturday, you heard this already, but hang on. We're going to move to part two. I'm just recapping. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, Nathaniel, I saw you. And in you, there's no, okay, we're going to listen to what I'm going to say. There's no deception. No deceit. And then it goes on, and look what Jesus said. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? How, how do you know who I even am? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And it goes on, it says, Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you sitting under a tree, you believe in me? He's like, is that all it's going to take for you to follow me? Is because I said, I saw you sitting under a tree? And then he said to him, most surely I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So let me, let me, let me just say, if, if God is speaking to us like he's speaking to Nathaniel, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I see you. And if there's any deception in you, I see it, but I want it removed. Because in Nathaniel, he saw a man where there was no deception. So could it be that some of the things we're going through right now personally is God revealing or exposing or eradicating whatever it is in us that creates deception or deceit so that, like with Nathaniel, we can see more things, supernatural things, happen through us. But if we don't believe God and believe who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do, we'll never be able to do the things he's called us to do. So what I said last week is there's four things I think that's going on. There's expose, eradicate, equip, and elevate. So God is going to first expose, not to embarrass, not to shame. Please listen to me. God doesn't do that. That's what the enemy does. That's what the demons do. That's what many people are battling right now. God puts his finger on a character issue. God speaks to you through his word or through a message or through a spouse or through a friend. He shares something, and the enemy wants you to feel like you're the biggest jerk and the biggest loser in the world. And you know what, what one of the favorites of the enemy is, if you've been walking with God for a while, is the enemy says, you know, by now you should know this. And have you ever heard that? By now you should know this. Because he wants to reinforce shame. And, you know, one time I was praying, I asked the Lord, I said, what does the demon of shame look like? And I got a picture. I don't know if you've ever seen, I don't know which Star Wars it is. But the Star Wars movie where, um, is it Jabba the Hutt? That's that big, nasty-looking, slug-like creature. And it's got that woman chained to it. The Lord said, that's the spirit of shame who's got people chained to himself. It's like, it seems like it'd be such an easy creature to just go up and, yeah! But it's so big and it has so much power because it goes back to, I think it was, was it Annette that was sharing that, it was Annette or it was Linda, maybe it was Linda, about rejection. That's our greatest fear is what are, will people love me? Will God love me? So Father wants to expose in order to eradicate. Once he exposes, this is what I'm after. And I'm after this because I love you, not because you're a, a loser. But I want to remove it. I want to eradicate it. I want to expose it. And then I'm going to equip you with something so that when I equip you, I can elevate you to help pull other people out of where you were. That's the purpose of elevation. An elevator takes you up. So how in the world... What is the enemy doing? Where is, where is he working that's causing maybe this deception to go on in, in my life? I don't know about you, but what if you guys were driving a car and you're on a road trip? You're driving a car and you're going to go from one part, which I'm going to do tomorrow. You're going to go to one part of the U.S. to another part of the U.S. And the person in the back seat, all they do is criticize your driving. The whole way. 
You're so stupid. I can't believe you didn't see that sign. Slow down, slow down. I can't believe you're going so slow. Can't you go a little faster? You know what I'm talking about? By about Montana, what would you want to do? But many of us live with this in the back of our hearts and minds all the time. And some of us just consider it normal. So there's a verse, and here's where I think the enemy can, is going to tonight. I'm hoping and praying that we can expose the enemy and deal with this thing. And some of us, and, and, and I think there's going to be some repentance. And when there's repentance, really what repentance means is agreeing with God. Seeing things like God sees it and coming into agreement with God. All right? James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Anybody have allergies? You struggle with allergies? Right? That word, resist the enemy, is where we get the word antihistamine from. So what it means is this. Submit your mind to God. Resist the enemy, and he'll flee from you. So that means when I submit my mind to God, the enemy flees. Because I'm submitting my, my mind and I'm resisting the lies of the enemy. But here's where I think we struggle with the voice in the back seat. So it says, this is, I'm going to read a verse, Matthew 7, 2. Um, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So here's what the devil does. Here's where he's a jerk. Remember I said a few minutes ago that, that the enemy has to have our permission to torment us? Remember I said that? I said that just like we asked Jesus to come into our heart, he's got to have permission, especially if we're believers. So what he does, here's where he's a jerk. He, he knows, probably the devil knows the Bible better than anybody else. He's always looking for loopholes. But what he does is he goes and he finds things that he can, scriptures that we're either not obeying or we're in ignorance to, where he can come in and have legal right to harass us. So there's another verse that I didn't look up that says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Or loosed in heaven shall be loosed on earth. Do you know what that means? That means when I have a revealed truth, and that truth now is what I'm practicing and not believing the lie anymore, I have bound the enemy from working in my life. And I've loosed the truth to now work in my life. So there's a lot of people in the church, a lot of people in the world, like Nathaniel, that there's deception there because they're believing a lie. And we look sometimes at the world and we go, how, do they, how can they believe that? But even in the church, there's things we believe that Father wants to reveal truth that keeps us entangled in that voice in the back seat. So judgment is one of those because in the same way we judge, it comes back to us. And here's what judgment is. And I want, I, you've heard me, some of you say this, because it, um, it's really important we understand this. Because right now, one of the things I think where the enemy is hitting people the hardest is in our identity. Say that with me, identity. It's a problem in our world. People don't know if they're a boy. They don't know if they're a girl. They don't know if they're a they, them, or, or they don't know what they are. They don't know who, some people, who their dad is. They don't know who God is. They, there's confusion. And so what happens is, is if we don't know who we are, then it's so easy for us to believe the lies and allow that voice in the back seat. And then here's where I'm going. Because here's where I think God wants to deliver some of us. Some of us live under self-imposed judgment. And it's reinforced by shame. 
And some of us believe we deserve it because of what we did. And so the enemy, every time we have some kind of maybe little bit of hope, the enemy says, you deserve this. So what is judgment? Judgment isn't revealing the truth. I mean, you know, if, if something happens, you say, hey, you shouldn't have done this. Blah, blah. That's not judgment. You're not judging them. You know, and the Bible says, you know, we need to give feedback to another brother or sister. If there's sin in their life, we can encourage them and lovingly help them. That's not judgment. Judgment is when you and I begin to answer the why somebody's doing what they're doing. Well, they're probably doing this because blah, 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 blah. And judgment is so ugly because it has these set of rules that aren't founded in biblical truth. My daughter Hannah shared a story with me that I thought was heart, heart sick. There's a church that reaches out to the homeless, and they cut their hair, and they help them out, and, you know, they really want to serve them. Well, they had a transsexual, was it transsexual? Come, and they had to have a meeting a quick meeting on if they could cut their hair or not. And they decided not to. So now we hear that, right? And we're all like, woo, we can't believe that. But when the, when the enemy wears the religious hat, which he's, he, that's how he sneaks into the church and creates judgment. And that's why there's so many people who are already battling with deception and judgment that don't come into the church. But yet to that church, that felt like to them a justifiable thing to do. At the sake of watching somebody walk away that desperately was confused about identity and needed love. So the crazy thing is this. If we don't get free from self-imposed judgment or from perceived judgment, we're going to have a hindrance to how we love and how we receive love and how we give love. Tim said something Thursday night in Intercessors that rocked me. And it was so simple and so powerful to my heart. But it was so simple. Some of you guys are probably going to go, that rocked you? Okay? Don't judge me. <laughs> he said, you know, we were like spending all of our time loving on God. I love you, Lord. I love you. And that's me. I'm like, I love you, Jesus. And I'm running after him. He said, how much time do we just like stop and let him love us? And I went, well, what does that look like? Think about that for a minute. What if that means, and I did it tonight, and it's hard for me because I'm a, I'm a talker, those of you that know me. Yeah, I know. Don't judge me. <laughs> so during worship, I'm up here and I heard the Lord say, say don't sing. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? <laughs> he said, don't sing. I just want to love on you. I didn't say anything. And it was hard because I'm like, I'm not singing. And I'm just like there. And I'm just not singing. I'm hearing all you guys sing. And as I'm hearing you guys sing, I'm hearing him, hearing your voices. And I'm like feeling the love of the Father through you as I'm just quiet. And I don't know what it fully means to just let him love on me. But judgment is such a horrible thing. And I got to tell you, it has felt to me like that's been the biggest spirit this church has battled with since its inception is the spirit of judgment. And do you know why? 
Because we are so focused on right relationships and loving anyone who comes through those doors that the enemy's assignment against this body, and really it's against any church that's passionately, relationally focused, is to judge the church and the people in the church and, and get people to judge one another. What if the church just quit doing that? What if we quit trying to be the Holy Spirit to everybody? And let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Oh, he is so much better at it, right? Wow. So identity without understanding our significance creates influence that's orphan-based. Number one. So if I... If I have identity without understanding my significance to God, I'm going to constantly work to be accepted. That's what an orphan does. Seeing significance without understanding creates identity influence that's pride-based. Did you hear what I said? Let's say it again. Seeing significance without understanding our identity cre is, creates influence that's pride-based. That's the religious spirit. I'm wonderful. I'm amazing. I'm significant. And there's a danger because it's important we understand as sons and daughters we're significant to the Father. But some of the church sees themselves so significant, they're missing the fact that the people out there are significant too. And it creates a religious pride. But seeing our significance filtered through the lens of right identity creates influence that's transformation. In other words, when I see my significance filtered through what he paid to save my life and to bring me into right relationship with the Father, it causes transformation in my heart that transforms other hearts. But when I'm living in judgment and, and believing lies, it stops me from loving like I need to love with right identity and significance so I'm influential. James 2.13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's grace, the definition of grace. The religious spirit, I found, can offer grace, but not mercy. And here's why. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve, which is from God. Grace is, I forgive you, and it's rooted in my love for you. Do you guys know, now hear me, really know, that you and I have the full measure of God's love? right now. What does that mean? We hear that all the time. Do you know what that means? That means that God will never love you any more or any less. That means if you become the next Billy Graham or Catherine Kuhlman, he's not going to love you more because you're out doing these amazing things for him. That means if you totally fall flat on your face and do the worst things that you know you shouldn't do, he's not going to love you any less. That is so hard to comprehend. Do you know why I know that? Because Scripture says he loved us before we loved him. When I was at my worst, he loved me. So if I was at my worst and he loved me with the full measure of his love, he's not going to love me anymore if I'm at my best. But the reason he wants me to move forward to become the best he's created me to be is because when I become my best, I represent the fullness of his glory. Because I look more and more like him. But that spirit of judgment wants to keep me so bound because here's what mercy is. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve, 
Mercy is I'm not going to give you what you do deserve. So could it be, listen to me, if we could catch this, could it be that we're not showing ourselves mercy? We might give ourselves grace because we know the blood of Jesus forgives us. But what if we're not giving ourselves mercy? In other words, we're, we're judging ourselves so much so, we're judging other people that we're not offering mercy. And mercy is, I have to perform. I have to do in order to get. And it breaks the heart of God because it's deception. Two greatest things that the church and my prayer for the loft is that we love well and it's manifested through grace and mercy. And it's so crazy because about three weeks ago we were back praying and I think it was Luann who operates as a prophet in this house. Strong. There's all of you, all, many of you have prophetic, but there's a strong anointing on her prophetically. And she said, she's kept hearing grace, grace, grace. We kept praying that over the congregation. And all of a sudden, it was like, I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach this message. Because I want us to break the spirit of judgment over the house and over our own lives. And do you know what this really, where it's sometimes that, that root of judgment is? Is it's really hard for us. And I think it was, you, you said, Annette, comparison. We compare ourselves. And sometimes in order to feel better about myself, I have to see the yuck in someone else. And it's so ugly. And I've done it. And we don't have to lift our hands. I know we've all done it, right? <laughs> I compare myself. And what comparison says is, I've got to see somebody worse off, so I feel better. But I so want, and it's going to be hard, you guys. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's going to be hard. And I want to kill it because I don't know if, if remember I said that, the, that the, 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 uh, the presence of God, he's dealing with the church right now. Because you know where Jesus hung out, if you watch The Chosen, with the sinners, with the lowlife of that time? He ate with them. He hung with them. That'd be like Jesus going out with all the people from Darcell's. Could you imagine if you walked in and saw Jesus eating with all the, the female impersonators at Darcell's? Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, think of just people and where they're at, and that's where Jesus would be. And then when people came and they judged him and said, dude, you should be at church. They didn't say it like that. He says, I came for the sick, not the healthy. When in reality, what he's really saying is, I came for you because you're sick with deception, religion. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we got to deal with this spirit because I still hear it. I still, sometimes things will come back to me. I'll hear things about leadership. or And, and, and sometimes people judge because they don't understand the anointings that people carry. They think everybody should carry the same thing. And part of that God's working on is, is a pastor is not going to be like an evangelist. Evangelist is not going to be like an apostle. Apostle is not going to be like a prophet. God is shifting even how churches function right now. And it's so easy to judge people sometimes. But, but I don't, we've got to kill that spirit and be a house so full of grace and, and, mer and mercy. Grace, grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Because if people start coming through those doors, which I believe they are, there can't be any judgment. We can't have a board meeting determining whether or not we're going to cut somebody's hair. We cut their hair. And then we hug them and tell them we love them. And don't preach the word to them. We love them until the word becomes evidence through how we love them. I'm telling you. Because most people deep inside know something's wrong with them. They want to know what's right. How do I find right? Michaela told me about this pastor that I think he's from Bethel, Reading. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. And here's his ministry. He's a little older than me. And he, he has all these shirts that says, free dad hugs. 
and he goes down to all of the pride marches where it's like bad, right? Stuff you see down there. And all he does is give away hugs. And men literally weep when they hug him because most of them, their dads have rejected them. See, where, where if we don't get free, you guys, then, then we, and if we've been in the church for a, for a long period of time, if we don't get free, the enemy comes with this thing. He comes in and he's like, if you don't preach to them right now, they're going to die and they're going to go to hell and it's going to be your fault. And so we sometimes miss the Holy Spirit and we don't just love people where they're at and trust God that he may tell us to present the gospel, but some of us get under this false pressure that we're going to fail God if we don't do it all right then. But people are on a journey. How do we get on the journey and join God where he is? You know what it really is? It's the fact that we don't trust God. And I'm not saying don't miss an opportunity if he opens the door to give you an opportunity. But I think right now one of the biggest assignments of the church is just to begin to love people and be present where people are at. And then people are going to ask you, why are you doing this? And that's what this man, what happens is after he gives away hugs, some of these men will come up and ask him why he does it. And he tells them he's a pastor. And they're like, you're a pastor? And then you know what he does? He looks at him and he says, will you forgive me for what the church has done? Wow. Talk about Mercy. So here's how it has to start, I believe. I believe it has to start with you and me. And do we hold ourselves hostage? To deception and lies. Do you guys know? That God is not in your past. He's in your present, and he's in your future. And in your future, he's calling you to come where he is. And in your present, he's pointing to where he wants you to go, and he's helping you get there. But he doesn't go back to your past and drag you back there. What he does is he has you turn and go, that's where you came from. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just close with this story, and then we're going to pray. I heard this story years ago, and it's such a picture of Holy Spirit in our hearts. Because so many of us are driving our lives looking through the rearview mirror of where we've been. Instead of the windshield of where he's taking us. So there was this rowing team that the coach was taking him out because he wanted him to be the best competitive that they could be. And he was pretty hard, and, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing. And he just keeps, they keep going, they keep going, they keep going in this boat that they're rowing in, and they're wore out, and they're exhausted, and they're just, we just can't do this anymore. This is too hard. We're never going to get where we're supposed to go. And they're all losing faith and hope. It just seems so far. It doesn't even look like we're getting any closer. And part of me feels like this is sometimes where the church is. It's like, where are the promises, God? Why does it seem like it's so far? And the whole time God's saying, trust me. Trust me. I know it looks like it's far. It looks like it's out of reach. And then in your boat, as you're rowing and you're rowing and you're rowing, and the coach Jesus is going, keep rowing! Look how far it is. Keep rowing. Here's a voice behind you saying, you're a loser. You're so weak. You shouldn't even be rowing in this boat in the first place. Or this lie. You're really lucky to even be in this boat. So what the coach did is as the men were about ready to give up, he said, I want you guys to do something. He said, what? Turn around.
And they all turned around and they couldn't see where they had been. He goes, look how far you've come. And look how close it is now where you're going. You can see that, but you can't see that. Can I say this to every one of you in this room? Look at how far you've come. You're not the same. Kathy, you're not the same. Chris, you're not the same. Teresa, you're not the same. Jan, you're not the same. Lindy, you're not the same. I could say that about every one of you. Even if you've rode here, because you've only known the Lord for a year, you're not the same. There's no judgment, only mercy at the throne of grace. Woo! Only mercy at the throne of grace. So can we be a church that pursues his presence? And when people walk through those doors, there's no board meetings because it's a throne of grace that releases mercy. And I'm telling you, when people experience grace and mercy, Holy Spirit will do the convicting and they just need arms to hold them as they repent. That's what I want to do. I just want to hold people as they come home to Jesus because Holy Spirit's revealed to them through love what's missing. Do you know what people need? They need to know what's missing, not what necessarily is wrong with them. Can I tell you what's missing? Oh, actually, can I just hold you first? Me? Yeah. When I worked at the Father's Heart, that was the most powerful thing is people that were living on the streets couldn't believe I'd want to hug them in their filth. One person that I was ministering to out on the streets said, you're going to stink if you hug me. And I said, I don't care. And I held them and I said, I'm praying for you right now that when we get done, that the aroma of Jesus is just going to cover you. And they just wept as I held them. And then a week later, I went back to the father's house and that man was laying on the floor dying from an overdose. But I got an opportunity to hold him and love on him in his mess. And you know what's so crazy? Every one of us have had somebody love us in a mess. Don't we owe the world the same encounter we've received? Yeah. And we receive it every day in his presence. He holds no shame over us. He holds no conviction. The Bible says your sins are as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more because he's so in love with you. And if there is something between you and him, he'll tell you. Not because he hates you, because he doesn't want anything between you and him. That's how good of a lover he is. And he also knows the cost of some sin, and he doesn't want us to pay those costs, the consequences, because he's such a lover. So stand with me, because we're going to deal with judgment, self-judgment. When we deal with judgment towards ourselves, we gain greater freedom to not judge others. So just hold out your hands with me tonight. We're going to get deliverance from a demonic spirit, a lying spirit. So let me pray first, and then I'm going to have you pray with me. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that every lying spirit of condemnation and shame every lying spirit that binds your people through accusation. The Bible says the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. We bind every lying spirit tonight. We break every word that's been spoken over every person that did not come from you, but it came from the pit of hell that brought judgment and accusation towards them. They weren't good enough they weren't smart enough. 
We break every lying spirit right now in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is against you. And right now, we command every spirit, every lying spirit that holds your people hostage. You've been defeated through the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. And there is no greater covenant than the covenant of blood. And the covenant of blood is against every spirit of judgment. And we break your power now. No more nightmares. No more night terrors. No more anxiety. No more fear tormenting your people at night as they try to sleep. We break every spirit right now that tries to pull your people into the pit of self-condemnation. And we thank you that 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, it's you that are faithful. It's you that's faithful and just. Even when I'm unfaithful and when I'm unjust, you're faithful and just. If I confess to you, you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Not only do you forgive me, but you cleanse me. So I want you to hold out your hands and I want you to ask the Lord first to forgive you for any judgment, any self-judgment, any condemnation that you've held against yourself. Just ask Him to forgive you. Say, Father, forgive me. Oh, He so wants you to do this. He so wants you to do this. He's so excited about this. Here's the second prayer I want you to pray. Wash me with your blood. Just say that. Wash me with your blood. Wash my mind and my thoughts with your precious blood. Just ask him, wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me. Say this, I have the mind of Christ. Say this, I am forgiven, I am redeemed, I am loved, and I am who you say I am. Pray this with me. I rebuke any spirit of judgment, self-condemnation, and lies in Jesus' name. I receive spirit of truth evidenced in your word and spoken through the blood of Jesus over my mind and my heart. Take a deep breath. One last thing, and it's not about a prayer. We do confess with our mouth but it's about Jesus coming to you. If you've never asked him to be your savior, to be in relationship with you, I want to pray with you. Or you've maybe turned away from him and the enemy's been having a heyday with you because of that. Would you just hold your hand up and hold it down? We're going we're gonna to pray. Anybody in here want to make sure we're all this with me. Pick me up, Dad. <laughs> Pick me up. Take me to where you are in the heavenly places. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
and Jenny to come up here for a few minutes. And if you feel like there's more that Father wants to do in your heart, or, or it's just as simple, I know we're in a COVID, we're coming out of a COVID thing, or it's as simple as you just need a hug. Some of you might just need a hug. You might just need the Father to love you. As we're leaving tonight, just come forward and just let, just say, I just need a hug. Or you need more prayer because you felt something stir in your spirit. Come forward. We want to pray with you. Jesus, bless your people. They're so beautiful. Your body is so beautiful. And we thank you for the people, God, that you're entrusting this church to, a house of no judgment, but only grace and mercy. Bring in those, Lord God, who are struggling with who they are. Bring in those, Father, and take us out to where they are as ambassadors of your love. We love you, Jesus. God bless you. Give someone some hugs as you leave. We'll see you guys next Saturday. Baptisms, it's going to be awesome. Baptisms are amazing. Please invite people to be here next Saturday. It's going to be a great night. If you want prayer or a hug, please come forward. We want to love on you guys. Have a great week. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about The Loft or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www.theloftnw.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next time.